Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Colossians, tonight I want to return to a, a, a focus that we've had over the last few weeks that I've had the privilege to minister on a Sunday night. And it is about the taking heed to the ministry we have received of the Lord. Every believer has a part to play in the kingdom of God. Every believer has a position to fill in the body of Christ. We are all members together. And every member in the body is a vital member. Every member in the body is important to the functioning of the body. And so one of the greatest things that we can do as believers is to grow and mature so that we can bring a faithfulness to the areas of ministry. This morning in our discussion about uh, faith, we were talking about the developing of the inward man, the educating of the heart. And one of the things that we saw is that we can mature and that that maturity was was defined as someone who by reason of use, talking about using the word, someone who has been doing the word, applying the word, they have their senses um, exercised to discern between good and evil. Well, part of that maturity is that having my senses exercised to know that I have a part to play. When, when I was a little girl, um, when my grandmother, I, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother growing up and a, a lot of probably my formative years I remember there uh, in the beginning. So when I was in, in kindergarten, I didn't have a lot of chores at the house. I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. As I got older, they made me break beans. They made me shuck corn. They made me make my bed, right? But when I was, when I was a, a little toddler, I wasn't old enough to know how to make my bed. I wasn't old enough to know how to do any responsibilities. And the more that I matured, the more responsibilities or the more activities I could have in the house. And one of the greatest things is learning that in the house, everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a chore. Everybody has a, an action to bring to the house. Nobody is, just gets to sit and lounge all day like a diva on the couch eating the bonbons or the Doritos or the Debbie, little Debbie snack cakes. No, everybody has something to do. Why? Because we're a family. We're a family. Well, the same is, is so much even more so in the body of Christ. We are a family. We are a body. Every member has a part to play. So when we, when we read these scriptures, I want us to recognize that every one of us has a ministry. It may not be a behind-the-pulpit ministry. It may not be a ministry uh, in, in front of people 
teaching or preaching. But ministry is serving. We've looked over the words where Jesus, when he put on the towel and he washed the feet of his disciples, he said, you ought to do this, you should do this. You ought to do this, you should do this. And he said, you should serve, you ought to serve. And he said, I am among you as one who serves. I'm not here to be served. I am here as one who serves. And the word minister that he used in that scripture that we've referred to in Matthew, it is the word to serve, a servant. I am among you as a minister, a servant. So the word ministry is not about glorified positions. And if anybody has done anything in ministry very long, you know ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. Ministry is not about glamour. It's not about notoriety. It's not about being recognized. Ministry is about serving God by serving people. Amen? So when we see this here in Colossians 4, I want to start in Colossians 4, and let's read verse 17. said, Say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you fulfill it. Every believer has a part to play, a ministry to fulfill, but it will not be fulfilled automatically. There must be some taking heed to it. There must be a place given to it, an attention given to it, a desire brought to it. Take heed to this ministry. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. So this ministry isn't by a man-made design. It is by the Lord's design. We've received our place in the body, in the ministry, by His design. So if God chose our place, He chose our part, He has positioned us and equipped us and assigned us, then that is the reason we should give it heed. That is the reason it should have a place of importance in our life. That God has asked me to do something. He's not going to make me do it. He's not going to force me to do it. I need to bring my willingness to it and allow his plan to play out in my life. So take heed to it, and secondly, that you fulfill it. Not just start it. A lot of people might start, and then in the midst of the, the time that it requires, or the demand that it places on your schedule, or the uncomfortableness of getting out in the rain, or the uh, whatever different things, early mornings, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to do in the, the Sunday morning and, and to get here for praise and worship practice on time, to get here uh, and turn on equipment and lights and everything else, all of that, there, no glory in it. And sometimes it is, you know, when we have those guest ministers and the hospitality team is here till 1130 washing the dishes, Praise the Lord. <laughs> They're serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. And so he said, not only take heed to it, but also 
fulfill it. Let's go to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, 12. Let no man despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. Be an example of the believers in word, in conversation. Now, just remember, conversation in the New Testament is a word that is better defined, behavior. It includes your verbal communication, but it also includes your activity, your behavior. So be an example of the believers in word, in behavior, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So he says not to neglect that. Is it possible to have hands laid on and an impartation, a, this gift is, is in some places defined this impartation, a spiritual gift, a spiritual deposit, a spiritual transference. Is it possible to have that and neglect it? Evidently, because he gave the instruction not to neglect it. Don't neglect that gift that is in you. He says meditate upon these things. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself to them completely, wholly. Give yourself wholly to them. So that God can have a ministry with an impartation and a spiritual gift, but there has to be that giving attention, taking heed to it, meditating upon it, and then giving myself to it. Giving myself to it. And then my profiting will appear unto all. My progress will be evident to others. Hallelujah. And then he says, Take heed to yourself and unto your doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this you shall both save yourself and to them that hear you. Hallelujah. So we see here that this is not going to happen just automatically. We're going to have to give ourselves to what God has set before us. We're going to have to give ourselves to the areas of ministry that God has made available to us. The voice translation says, cultivate all of these practices. Cultivate. The Weymouth translation says, habitually practice these duties. Habitually practice these duties. Hallelujah. So this is our, our action. This is our bringing ourselves to it. Setting ourselves in a position. Bringing our supply to the house of God. Amen? When um, in Numbers chapter 18, verses 6 and 7... Numbers 18, 6 and 7. And I, behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. To you they are given as a gift for the Lord to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Think about that. God said, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, 
I've separated them. I've taken them from among the children of Israel. They are a gift for the Lord to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. To do the service of the tabernacle. That's the running of the church. That's the the daily activities of the church. Therefore, you and your sons with you shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar and within the veil, and you shall serve. I have given your priest's office unto you as a service of gift, and the stranger that comes near shall be put to death. And so you can't just approach the holy place of God. So here we see that there was Aaron and his sons. They were, in a, they were not Levitical priests. They were in a different role. And, and they had different responsibilities. There were, there were the, the high priests that could go into the presence of God, uh, that could enter in and, and uh, set the incense in the holy place. They could bring the showbread and put it on the altar of the showbread in the holy place. They could do all of those. But the Levitical priests, they did all the work out in the tabernacle, in the, in the, uh, the, by the altar, all of the outside work. They did the work of, of the sacrifices, the work near the, the uh, labor, all of the, the duties there. And he said both of them, they each had a role to play, but both of them, notice, they are, are a gift for the Lord. I've, a gift of the Lord. And notice, it's, the, it's their work to do it, that's the gift for the Lord. That excites me. I've got something I can give God. I've got something I can do for God that's a gift for Him. Something I can bring to his work and I can say, Lord, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. As I serve by opening the front door and welcoming people as they come into the sanctuary, I'm serving the Lord. This is my gift for him. As I minister on the praise team or vacuum on the clean team, whatever, on the camera, the, the, the media store, whatever, my role, it is a gift for the Lord, my service of the tabernacle. God lets me work in His church. What a privilege that God would let us Work in his church. Hallelujah. And he would receive it as a gift of service to him. The New Living Translation says that this is a spiritual privilege of service. A spiritual privilege of service. Hallelujah. That's why, listen, what I talked to you about this morning, about the maturing and the educating of your spirit, the more spiritually mature. Notice what Ephesians 4 said. It said that the fivefold ministry offices, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, they were for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry. Notice the maturing of the saints is required before they can work in the ministry. Why? Because we need faithful people at the doors. We need faithful people uh, in those roles because if, if that faithfulness isn't developed, it's like the Bible says, 
a, a, a tooth out of, out, out of place, or if you got a sore tooth and you go to bite down on it, you, you know it. You're like, oh, that hurts. I needed that tooth right then. Right? And without the faithfulness developed in us, in our, in our walk with God, we wouldn't be faithful to the house of God. We wouldn't be faithful to the position. And they'd always be having to scramble to cover our post. Amen? You know, if I had not been faithful as a nursery worker, do you think God would have me here today? What if you, wouldn't, what if you wondered if I was going to be here or not? What if you wonder, well, we're going to go, but I'm not sure Pastor Michelle's going to show up or not. She might be there. No, you have a confidence because I've been faithful to be here. If I'm not here, I'm faithful to cover my post. But I don't take it lightly to just cover it randomly. We, we, we exercise quite the diligence to try to be in the pulpit to minister the food that you need for your victory. Amen? Amen. But that faithfulness developed in me when I was working in children's ministry and working as a nursery worker and, and running the usher department and, and different areas because it had to be established in me in that maturity so that I could bring a faithfulness to a more responsible role. That's why there are, there are things in the church that I would, rather not, I would rather have less who are faithful to do it than to fill it with a whole bunch of people who don't have the maturity and then always be in an uproar trying to deal with that department and cover the post. Now, God's best plan is that we have faithful people everywhere to fill those posts so that not, not one person is having to do it all. Amen? So that, that there can be enough so that it is not a heavy load for any one person. That would be God's design. But that takes a maturing to get to that place. Amen? And, and we've come a long way from when we pulled the pulpit out of my back seat. I mean, we started with the pulling of the pulpit out of the back seat, and then, then people started showing up to help me pull my pulpit out of the back seat. And look, and lo and behold, there was Vernon ready to unpack my car. Praise the Lord. And little by little, then y'all remember when I had to, I was singing, and then I would run over to the computer that I had to set it right up here because I was the only one who could run the computer. And I'd come over here, and I said, don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. Because I was over here running my computer and trying to lead worship at the same time. And then God brought Sarah and Anna who sat over there, even though they didn't even, and Janessa, didn't even know how to run the computer, but they were willing to learn. They said, just show me which buttons to push and I'll push it. And, 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 and they were, brought their willingness and they learned just because they wanted to bring a supply to help. So we've come a long way. But I can see where we're going. And I can see, I can see the greatness of this body. 
I can see the multiplication. Do you realize this is the smallest we'll ever be? God's design and His multiplication upon this church family, we shall increase more and more. As we increase, we must mature so that as the ministry expands its reach, we have faithful people in those roles so that we're not having one person trying to do certain things and being over, overloaded. But we have plenty of faithful people to step up and say, I'm a faith builder, I'll learn how to push the buttons. If I don't know how to run the camera, I can learn how to run the camera. I mean, none of us knew how to run the camera when it came to us. We had to learn how to run it. Vernon can run the camera. He can aim it. My, my, my emphasis is we all have a part to play. This is not a spectator sport. You're here receiving, but you're not spectating. You're here receiving so that you can be a doer of the work of God. Amen? Now, when we see this special privilege of service, he says this service of the tabernacle of the converse, con, uh, congregation it is serving in the tabernacle of the congregation. Serving in the house of God is a special privilege. Working in the ministry should be the greatest honor in our lives. Should be the greatest honor in our lives. Amen? Hallelujah. And when it, that's a mature perspective. That's, that's one of those... Uh, by reason of exercise, have come to be able to recognize what's good. Yeah. Oh, doing the work of the ministry, that is honor. That is honoring God. That is my privilege. It's not something I have to do. You know, like that man, that old commercial, and that man's, that baker, and he's getting up to go make the donuts, and he's got his slippers on, and he's walking, and he's going, gotta make the donuts. It's like 5 o'clock in the morning, gotta make the donuts. No, that's not our attitude. Why we have matured to recognize God has counted us faithful, putting us in the ministry. He has given us a part to play in a position. It's a privilege to us. Romans 12.1 speaks of this. Romans 12 and verse 1. We read it this morning, recognizing that every believer has a responsibility to do something with their body and to do something with their mind. But we also see this explanation here. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your reasonable service. The English uh, standard says your spiritual worship, your spiritual worship. So you presenting your body as an instrument for God to use in his local church is worship, spiritual worship. The Young's Living says it is your intelligent service. 
You presenting your body is your intelligent service, serving the Lord, serving the Lord. So this presenting of our body is not just, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I present my body. I'm not going to sin with it today. Oh, good. You're not going to sin with it today. I'm glad. But now what? You're not going to sin with it, but what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that body? Great, you're not going to sin with it. You've learned that. That's like the ABCs. Yay. You're not going to sin with it, but now what? Can we do something with our bodies that honors Him and glorifies Him? We can serve Him with our bodies. We can, we can bring our supply to the working of God's house, bring our, our activity to teaching others, loving others, uh, 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 welcoming others at the front door, bring our supply to vacuuming the house of God, uh, uh, cleaning windows, whatever your supply might be. Amen? There's a part for all of us to play. So he says here, that's an intelligent service. I've got to read to you the new living. The new living. And I'm going to read the whole verse. I, I wrote out the whole verse for you. The new living translation says, And so, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you. Now that is what the word beseech means. Beseech is like a serious, on your knees, begging with all the heart. I beseech you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. This is truly the way to worship Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By, by serving Him with this body. By being His hands and His feet. By being His outshowing out of love. By, by being His demonstration of mercy and compassion. Hallelujah, by, by releasing my faith or laying hands on and, and distributing His compassion and healing. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians 2, and let's read verse 10. Now, Pastor and I were having a discussion, and I told him, I said, the Lord's been dealing with me to, to feed some leadership food, leader food. Because we can all eat on sheep food and grow to a certain place, but for us to take that step up, we're going to have to allow the Word of God to reveal to us those responsibilities, those actions of our faith, our presenting ourselves to God for His faithfulness, developing that faithfulness in our life. So this is some of that leadership food, leader food to help you grow. Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, it says, For we are God's, His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship created 
unto or for good works. Created unto good works. Created in Christ Jesus. You know, in Christ Jesus, we're made kings and priests. What do priests do? Serve God. You realize the believers are the only ones anointed to serve God. Those believers in Christ, not just the fivefold ministry, but all believers are priests unto God. We are all priests unto God. We can serve Him acceptably. So when He says here that in Christ Jesus we are created unto good works, this good work is not outside of Christ, it's in Christ. In Christ. In Christ Jesus, we're created unto good works. God has ordained that we should walk out these works. God has ordained that we should walk out these designs for our life. You know, God didn't create anything that didn't have purpose. He he gave Adam a job. It wasn't the hard labor that the curse put on him. But it was still a responsibility and an oversight. It was still a responsibility and something for him and and Eve to do. So God created us with purpose. All of us have a part to play, a purpose to fulfill, a ministry for the Lord, a serving of the Lord. Again, let me define, ministry is serving. All of us have a serving of the Lord. And that maturity brings us to the, the, the recognition that I have something to do in serving the Lord. Jesus is the head of the, the church. I, I see a lot of people who have, put, have, have a desire to do ministry and a desire to be used of God who keep pulling their talent out of the church or pulling their supply out of the church. But Jesus is the head of the church. What he wants to do is through the church. He wants the ministry in the church. You know, five-fold ministry gifts operate most effectively when they turn their attention to the church. The evangelist is supposed to reach the lost to put them in the church. Not reach the lost and put them on a mailing list. They reach the lost because those, those people who are converted to know Jesus as Lord have to be in a church to grow. Have to be in a church to have that discipleship. To make those connections. They have to be assembled into the body. The Lord adds to the church daily such as should be saved so the lord wants to add to the church his focus is on building the church and bringing people out of the darkness and into the light of the church the church is the lighthouse the church is where the light resides we are the ones we are each the body of christ individually but he doesn't intend for us to operate individually What would you do if you walked out and down the sidewalk you see a little toe? All by itself, just popping on down the sidewalk. You would say, that is not right. There is something wrong. That is creepy. Because it's not supposed to be separated from the body. 
But that's what happens when people get this idea that is not a mature idea. It is an idea that my ministry, my ministry, and they, they turn that ministry away from the plan and the purpose of being connected in the body and they pull it out and they try to make it a standalone ministry. It's not going to have the effectiveness. That gift and that calling is there, but it doesn't have the body support, the body supply. And so it's got to do what it can in a limited way because it doesn't have that connection to the purpose and the plan of God that it's supposed to have. So he said that this work in Christ is what God has ordained for us, what God has prepared for us or determined for us. So that also shows me I don't get to come and determine it. I don't get to say, I want to do this and I want to do that. No, my job is to say, what have you designed me for? You know, it is misleading to our young people for us to tell our young people, you can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. I know we mean well when we say it. I know our intent is to lift the limits off of their life. But that is not always accurate because they might look in the wrong direction and think that they want to go do this and think that they would not enjoy such and such. But if we teach them to yield to the Holy Spirit and to discover what God has prepared for them and to identify what He's leading them to do by finding a place in the local church to bring their supply and let God grow them in that position and grow them in their faithfulness and grow them in their diligence and grow them in their ability to receive instruction from leaders and to learn how to respect leadership in the house of God. If we'll teach them that, then God their steps into what He has planned for them. That is the more effective way to help them recognize the plan of God for their life. And that's the true for us as well. God has already determined it for us. God has already prepared. And you might think you would not enjoy what God asks you to do. You might think, Lord, I would not enjoy doing that. But He knows you better than you know yourself. He does. He knows. He prepared you and created you. He put your likes in you. Hallelujah. And so as you yield to and allow that developing, I remember hearing Keith Moore, he said when he was still, you know, living in Louisiana in, or was it Mississippi? Where did he come from? Mississippi. And he said, I was, you know, we had just got, I was still young. I had not even, I, he went to church, but he hadn't gone to Rhema yet. And he said, the Lord just kind of dealt with me about being a pastor. And he said, I couldn't see it. He said, I sat there all day long trying to see myself as a pastor. And I, I said, Lord, I just can't see it. I just can't see it because all he had from where he was with what he knew, with what preparation he had, he just couldn't see it. And he said, 25 years later, after God had taken him to Ramah, 
and gave him the foundation of the word and taught him how to follow leadership, how to be under leadership, how to serve, because he started serving, setting up chairs. Praise God. But in that learning, in that, in that environment, God prepared him. And even when, when someone very influential said to him, the Lord has your own ministry for you. The Lord's going to take you into your own ministry. He stayed with Brother Hagen for years past that. Praise God he does, but it's not time yet. He was not in a hurry. And people can look at his success in ministry and the stability of his ministry and think that it happened overnight, but they would miss the root system of that 25 years prior when God was preparing him. And for us to be in a hurry to jump out and establish our own could put us in a, a dangerous, vulnerable position because we may not have the root system yet. Amen? And so this working together with Christ, it says created in Christ Jesus. Um, Ephesians 1.22 refers to Christ Jesus as the head of the church. It says he has put, God has put all things under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus him to be the head over all to the church, which is his body. So Jesus is the head over the church. Jesus is the governor of the church. He is the director, the CEO of the church, which is his body. The fullness, the church, the body is the fullness of him. He is the one who fills all in all, but we are the where he is filling. We are the ones he is filling. We are the recipient of the filling. The fullness is in the church. The fullness of him who fills. He's the one filling, but where's he filling? In the church. So he's filling the church with his supply, he's, the spiritual supply, the wisdom, the, the power, the, the uh, saving power, the healing power, the delivering power. He's filling the church with his fullness. So if we want the fullness, we need to keep the connection. I'm talking about from a ministry standpoint. We are the body. We are the body. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 8 also refers to him as the head of the church. Colossians 1 verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. There's the fullness again. He is the one who fills. Where's his fullness going to be expressed? In his body. That's why no person operates in all nine ministry gifts, spiritual gifts. 
No person operates in all five offices. Jesus is the only one who is, has the fullness. He distributes that fullness in the body. And so it might be possible that one person have, uh, that have maybe two or three ministry gifts or spiritual gifts that have operated in their life on a continual basis because if you're standing in certain offices, you will have certain spiritual gifts in operation. For instance, if you're in the office of the evangelist, some of the gifts that follow the office of the evangelist would be the, the working of miracles or the gifts of healings. Amen? Or the gift of faith. Because those power gifts in that office are for the gathering of the people. We see the evangelist Philip who had the signs and wonders done in his ministry. Praise God. We see the prophet's ministry having a, a continual activity of either a gift of the word of wisdom or a gift of the word of knowledge. Possibly discerning of spirits. Because of the office that they stand in, that's equipment in the office. If you walked into my office here in the church, you would find certain equipment that's not in my kitchen. Because that's the equipment in that office. That equipment is necessary to do certain tasks in that office. The pastor's office has different equipment. That pastor's office has equipment that supplies for the church that uh, uh, provides for the, the growth in the church to do the work of that calling, of that office. Amen? And so, that, but that nobody is going to operate in all of it because Jesus is the only one who carries the fullness. And for a person to say, I've got all the spiritual gifts, I've got all the gifts of the Spirit operating in my life, that is not biblical. That is not biblical. We want, to, we want to bring our willingness to what He has for us and not try to, uh, to utilize what He has for us to validate us. We find our validation in Christ, not in the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is love to God, serving God. Honoring God, worshiping God. Amen? Jesus is the head of the church. Praise God. We are working with Him. Our work is with Him. He never wants us to work for Him. He wants us to work with Him. He wants us to work with Him. We are ambassadors together with Christ. We are, we are laborers together with God. I, I'm going to show you this real quick and then we're going to close here. 2 Corinthians 5.18 refers to us as ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 down through verse 20. While, uh, 5.18, here I am. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So what Christ did, he did with God. Christ, his work, Jesus Christ, 
his work on the earth, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto him, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So we are ambassadors, and God is ministering through us, beseeching that they be reconciled. Amen? 1 Corinthians 3, 9. Praise God. For we are laborers together with God. Laborers together with God. We are serving Him. We're presenting our bodies as a spiritual act of worship. But when we are serving... He is in it. His anointing is on us. His wisdom is guiding us. His supply is made available to us. When we're loving people, we're loving with His love. Amen? We are laborers together with God. 2 Corinthians 6.1 We then... As workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Notice, as workers together with God, with him. Workers together with him. Hallelujah. Acts 15, 4. Acts 15 and verse... And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. All things that God had done with them, because we're laborers together with God. Amen? And then finally, Mark 16, 20. And we'll find a, a jumping off place right here. Mark 16 and verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. The Lord working with them. Hallelujah. All that we do, as we do unto the Lord and for Him, He gets right in the middle of it and brings a supply to help us do it. Praise God. And it's an eternal value. It's an eternal value. What we're doing in the local church will stand. These are the works that will follow us to heaven. These are the laborers that will follow us to heaven. It says in Re- uh, Revelation 14, their works do follow them. Where, what, are, what are those works? The works that we did that were eternal. Not the work that, that we, we have other natural responsibilities, but those aren't the eternal value responsibilities that will follow us to heaven. Hallelujah. We have a man in the Kansas location. He came to Pastor Steele's Bible study in the prison. My husband for about 10 years did a Bible study 
uh, uh, in the prison. Uh, and this man had, uh, had such a drug addiction throughout his life. He had lost his marriage because of the drug addiction. He had gotten down so far into this addiction that he lived in a junkyard. He actually worked in this junkyard, but he slept in the junkyard. And he would shoot his drugs using the water out of the tin cans, the rusty tin cans. He would pull up water to shoot his meth. One day he ran from the police and ended up running his car into the Taco Bell and then trying to back out and keep running down the road, but his car was so demolished from running into the Taco Bell with his car. His car ran into the Taco Bell. He, he ran into the building and he backed it up and he's just trying to escape from the police, but all of his tires were shot. All of his, his car was blew up. And so he did not have very much chance of getting out. His... Uh, he had used all of his get-out-of-jail-free cards, so to speak. You know, all of his good behaviors or whatever, he didn't have any of those. And he was in his cell by himself, and he, he prayed to the Lord, God, if you can help me, and the power of God, the presence of the Lord, came into his jail cell and ministered to him, and he gave his heart to the Lord and he started coming to Pastor Steele's Bible study. And Pastor said that he would sit in the, uh, at the table and he would just weep. And he, he had, uh, his beard was like down to his, halfway down his chest and he would weep. And so the tears were running down his beard and pooling on the table in front of him in a big puddle of tears. And Pastor would say, Brother, you got to go to the back of the room. You are tearing me up. Every time I sit here to preach because of the restoration as the word was going forth. He came, uh, he, from his jail cell, wrote a letter to his wife, ex-wife who had divorced him because of the addiction. And he repented to her and told her that he had gotten saved and wanted to... to visit with her when he got out, if he got out. And so she, she thought it was just a, a, you know, jailhouse conversion. And so she didn't give it any attention and she was not interested in talking to him. And after he was released, he came to the church and he said, I'd never really been in church. You know, when Pastor Steele, have y'all ever had Pastor Steele say, Look at your neighbor and say, that's the best preacher I've ever heard. He says that sometimes. Look at your neighbor and tell him, that's the best preacher I've ever heard. Well, Brother Steve, he'll turn and he'll say, that's the only preacher I've ever heard. Well, he was, it's the only pastor he's ever had. Only preacher he's ever sat under. He came to the church and he said, I'd never been to church, wasn't sure what to think about church. You know, I'm all right with Jesus as long as I don't have to go to church kind of thing. But he said... When I came to the door, the woman put her arms around me and hugged me. And y'all would have to know Rosemary Allred. Rosemary was the woman who said to me uh, that, uh, that you can't pray for patience because God will put you through all kinds of tests and trouble. And as she sat in our church, she said, 
I've learned so much. She came and attended Bible school and she said, I'm not called to the five-fold ministry, but I'm called to be a helps minister. And so she was on the greeters team and that woman was anointed to greet. That woman, you, there are so many people who are solid in our church today who can take it back and say, Rosemary Allred was the first person who greeted me when I came in this church and she made me feel like I was already a part of the family. She just had that, that open heart of the love of God. And when she hugged you, you knew that you were loved. I mean, she, she was... She, she was a working woman who had these big hands, you know. And when she would pat the babies, you could hear it all the way through the sanctuary. Those big hands popping on the back of that baby. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Pat, pat, pat. I mean, she just loved on those babies. Well, when she put her arms around you, it was, it was so pure. It was so genuine. And that's what she did to Steve Pitnick that day. And he, he was just, from that moment on, it was a connection for him. It was a connection. She's long since moved to heaven and, and gone by the way, but at her home going, we had so many testimonies of people who said, Rosemary was the first person who met me at the front door of this church. I, you know, when people come to church, they're, they're, we are used to coming to church. We just walk in like it's okay and I know where I'm going to sit and everything. But if it's their first time that's, and if they don't go to church regularly, they don't know what to expect. Trust me. Believe me. They don't know what to expect. And it's not the great preaching that makes the first impression. It's the people who've greeted them as they've come in. It's the people who've loved on them and welcomed them and connected with them before they ever get into the sanctuary and hear the songs or hear the, the sermon. The sermon has already been preached by the greeters and the people in the parking lot. That's why I think about Brother James who came and sat in the parking lot James Alexander sat in the parking lot, not sure. He said, I watched people walking in and I thought, they're all dressed up and I don't feel like I, I, I should go in today. And, and finally, somebody spoke to him in the parking lot and, and he said something to the effect of, am I dressed okay to come in? And they're like, oh yeah, come on in and welcomed him and, and, and encouraged him. What if... What if the devil would have talked him out of coming in while he stood in the parking lot? What if one of God's people hadn't encouraged him? That's why we need people at the parking lot, waving them in from the road, welcoming them in to the parking lot from, from the first turn. They're looking for faith builders. Where's I saw it on TV. Where is that faith builders? Oh, those are faith builders people. Now I see the sun, those people waving at me. And welcoming them and encouraging, letting them know which door to come in. Hallelujah. Loving those people for Jesus. And God is with us. That's ambassadors. Hallelujah. That's an ambassador. Representing the Lord and serving Him as our privilege. Father, 
I thank you for food to grow by. I thank you, Lord, that you bring to us light that will help us all grow. Because just hearing is not the end of your plan. It's just the beginning. Hearing leads us to being doers. Maturing leads us to being servants for our Father. Sons who serve. By love, serving one another. Father, I pray the plan that you have for this church family be recognized and embraced by every church member, every faith builder, bringing a spiritual supply, bringing their effort to building faith and framing worlds by the Word of God. I ask you for a unity of this vision. I ask you, Lord, to implant this vision so securely in the heart of every person who feeds from this field so that this field can be even more effective in this community so that this local church would even have a greater impact for the kingdom in this city. And I ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Would you just yield yourself to God's plan right now? Lift your hands and say, Father, I am here to do your will, oh God. Teach me to do your will and help me to mature in your kingdom plan. I want to be a laborer together with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I have to say, I'm really encouraged about what God's doing. I'm really encouraged. I'm stirred in my spirit. I'm stirred in my spirit. There are things that He has in the works. We don't see all of it yet, but we don't walk by sight, do we? We walk by faith. Those revealings and those, those promptings and those preparations, this is part of the preparation for what he's going to do in days to come. Amen? Praise God. And we get to be a part of what God is doing in this earth, in our community. Would you stand with me to your feet? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.